Good morning, class. All right, I think we're ready to start. This is the Wisdom Seekers Sunday School class. And my name is Tammy Stewart, and I am the teacher for today. And the title of my teaching is Mary, Most Blessed of Women. And uh, I welcome you uh, that are here with us, and many will be listening in the archive. I thought this was interesting that I would be teaching on Mary, the mother of Jesus. Pastor, in the last month, in December, he talked about Mary on three separate occasions. Sunday morning, Wednesday night live, and in a prayer primer. And um, I kept <laughs> trying to put this away because uh, I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to follow what he's already said. So um, I've really prayed about it, and obviously I'm going to do that today. I think that my uh, goals for this morning will be to uh, speak about Mary from a woman's perspective and um, also uh, to uh, release some prophetic insight as a result of, you know, really studying out a lot of these scriptures and words in word search. And so I pray that um, this will bless you this morning. Um, I, I want you to know that there are five pages here. Um, what I did was I just took all of the scriptures in the New Testament that pertain to Mary, and I put them in chronological order. And we'll go through as many as we can this morning, so if I don't finish, that's okay too. Scripture does not tell us this, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, was likely born in Nazareth, which we know it was a tiny Galilean town. And at that time, it was about 1,600 people that lived there. And this was during the reign of Herod the Great. Mary would have spoken Aramaic um, with a little bit of a Galilean accent. And she also had contact with the multilingual world. You know, she heard Latin from the Roman soldiers, Greek as it was used in commerce and educated circles, and then Hebrew as the language of the Jewish religious life at that time. Um, Mary was also part of the peasantry and it included uh, skilled tradespeople, and that whole group uh, faced a triple tax burden uh, from Rome, Herod the Great, and also uh, to the temple. Now, think about this. At that time period, uh, a typical home would have consisted of three or four houses uh, with one or two rooms, and they were built around an open courtyard. And so the relatives would share an oven, oven and a cistern, and of course a millstone for grinding the grain. The, the peasant class was about 90% of the population. So the artisans were uh, about 5%, and they had, at that time, 
even a lower median income. And so they basically had to work the land as well as perfect their craft in order to feed themselves. Um, Mary would have spent probably most of her time, about 10 hours a day, um, on domestic chores. And that would be, for example, like carrying water from a nearby well or a stream, um, gathering wood you know, for the fire, uh, cooking meals, uh, washing utensils, and also clothing. It's a long day you think about that. Uh, the other thing I had really reflected on very strongly was Mary could have been married as early as 13. Never really thought about that until I did this study. Um, and the reason why is to maximize, at that time period, childbearing. Okay, more children. Um, but we all, we all know this. Uh, Mary was a tough woman. Uh, she was capable of walking the hill country of Judea while she was pregnant. Um, of giving birth in a stable, um, making a four or five day journey to Jerusalem once a year, and then of course sleeping outside. Now she was probably also illiterate. You know, at that time period, a woman rarely read or even wrote. Um, the culture was highly oral. And so she would be exposed to public readings of the scripture, um, telling of stories, the reciting of poems, and the singing of songs. In that time period, a girl was engaged when she reached puberty. And we know that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And they would be married within a year. So this time period that she was in, she was spending time in her home learning how to be a good Jewish wife and mother. Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter, hardworking, responsible. He was a kind man. And I think the more that Mary knew him, the more she appreciated his sensitivity and his gentleness towards her. So life would be good with Joseph. So I think she was glad that her parents had made this good match for her. All right, one day, Mary was just going around doing her task when she was surprised by a very unusual visitor, Gabriel, an angelic messenger. So he comes to Mary with a seven-fold message for her. Now, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but what I want to say is what is significant here, and um, I didn't know this until I read Pastor's booklet. Uh, he has a booklet about Gabriel, and uh, it's not real long, but it's packed with lots of information. I found it to be a fast read, but I found myself going back because I was constantly underlining and making myself notes to remember all the facts that he had put in that booklet. So this information I'm going to talk about now is actually from that booklet. Um, 
there are only four sevenfold messages recorded in the Bible by Gabriel. Once to Zacharias concerning the birth of John, then to Mary pertaining to the birth of Jesus, and then two times to Daniel. One was regarding the saint's purpose, and the other was regarding the enemy's purpose. Four times. Now we know that all of these encounters represented the fullness of God's person and heart to partner with mankind. Again, seven is a point of completion. And the manner in which our Father represents the dimensions of his sevenfold personality. So God sends Gabriel, who demonstrates a ministry that announces the ways of God, number one, and also imparts an empowering uh, for their completion, for the person that has been committed to that task. Now, I want you to look at this handout for a minute. I got, um, I was, I set aside a time to kind of create it because I was really looking at scripture and I was looking at some of the words, you know, really getting my head into it. And uh, I, I guess I would call it a typo, but I, I want you to make a mental note of this or, you know, write it down on your, on your handout because <coughs> I didn't mean to do this, but I'd already printed this handout. Now the one that's on the website, I, I corrected that one, but yours isn't right. So I'm going to start with page one, and it, we're going to talk about the conception of Christ. And I want you to note that you can see that I've listed, uh, and, I, and this is from Pastor's book. You know, I've aligned the scripture with, with the sevenfold message. So for the very first one, judgment and burning, <clears throat> it should actually be verses uh, 29, 28, 29, and half of 30. So it's a big chunk. It's not just said unto her, for fear not Mary. Okay, I, I just accidentally didn't do it. And of course, I'm, I'm looking at words and thinking about words, and then I thought I was finished with this, and then when I came back and gave it the once over again, of course, I'd already printed it. I thought, well, I'll just have to tell them in class. So let's start with um, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Okay, so that should be said alone by itself. Now we go into the first uh, one, first spirit, judgment and burning. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, Thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. All right, so we know that that represents the spirit of judgment and burning, and judgment and burning brings an alignment to fulfill God's purpose. Now remember, the angel was speaking the sevenfold message to Mary, but it wasn't Mary's purpose. It was the child that she was bearing, which was Jesus. This is Jesus' purpose for coming to the earth. 
Okay, then we keep reading, and it says, For thou hast found favor with God. All right, so that portion would be aligned with grace and supplication. It's an application of promotion and empowerment. Uh, 31, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Uh, that's the giving forth of insight. Next, number four, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Again, the spirit of uh, life supply and prophecy. Uh, that's releasing, uh, you know, present truth, rhema. And the next one, verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. Spirit of holiness and saintliness. This is showcasing righteous purpose. And then six, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Spirit of glory of God. And this is bringing forth his presence. And then our last one, number seven, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. The spirit of truth and uh, sonship and that's the commissioning of his sons, which are us. Um, and this I captured from Pastor's booklet. So it's, it's, it's good to look at. I, I, I liked, and I liked the table, Pastor, that you had in that book. It was very, very helpful because then I could see the four messages that Gabriel had delivered to those four people in the Bible. Um, now, there are also two examples given to us as his sons um, in this visitation to Mary. And um, I wanted, um, as I talk about this, I kind of wanted to insert uh, my insights and interpretation as we go through this. Um, so let's, let's go back to this scripture. And I want you to look at the first example, and it's from uh, verse 28. And uh, it's, it's the immediate prospect of preparing a way for another to follow. Uh, it says in verse 28, the Lord is with thee. Um, Mary, we know, provided the means for Jesus to be born on the earth. We as saints, talking about us, are receiving also miraculous provision so that others might go forth through us in the name of the Lord. Now, think about how small the saints' network was many years back. But today, now, you know, I, I'm sure some of us have had this benefit when we're praying in intercession, and the Lord allows us to see that, but it really is a huge, a vast structure now, the saints' network, around the world. I think it would bring us to our knees if we actually knew how large, mega, it really is. Let me keep going. All right. The second example was when the angel told Mary, this is in verse 30, to fear not. Okay, that would be our second illustration in that we must go forward without fear. He is, I think at this time, issuing an anointing uh, to enable us to view the work of God from the perspective of the throne. We are now being equipped to receive him without becoming just overwhelmed in the process. And I can attest to that because I can remember 
not knowing how to process or how to um, spiritually, how to handle what I was sensing in my spirit. Um, the fear of the Lord is something to be valued. Now, just like Mary, as we process the ways of God, judgment welcomes a visitation of the glory of God. It is the power of God that enables the actions of God through us to fulfill the task he has set before us to accomplish. So this is what's happening. We birth new intercessors, fresh revelation, breakthrough, and restoration to creation. <coughs> and you know what? That's pretty mighty. I mean, I could list some other things as well, and I don't want to say that they're minor, but I think these are the big ones. Um, let me go on, because I've got all these pages, so we'll see how far we go, uh, to verse uh, 34 down here at the bottom on my page. Um, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now, uh, Mary's purity and her innocence are clearly revealed in her words because she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? It didn't matter if she couldn't understand it. She believed God was able to do what he said he would do, and that was enough. You know, we get really great insight into Mary's heart and her character from her response to this revelation. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. You know, this was a pattern all her life. Think about this. Mary was a young teenager and she had this kind of relationship with God. What a remarkable young, remarkable young girl. She was willing to serve God at any cost, and cost there would be, as you know. You know, she wondered um, how she would explain this to her mother. Joseph, would they believe her? You know, it must have been a shock um, I'm going to kind of transition here. I'm looking at this next verse down here. Um, you know, Elizabeth uh, knew without Mary telling her about the angelic encounter that she had. God used Elizabeth to confirm to Mary that she was the mother of the Son of God. 
and God also commended her faith. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord said to her will be accomplished. So let's look at that. That's Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Mary was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Danny, I don't think I've ever thought of the fact that how did she know that was the mother of the Lord? I mean, it doesn't ever say that anybody visited her and told her, but she obviously had a visitation that told her what was up, because for her to say that, it was like Peter saying that you're the Christ. I mean, that, that information came from God. Yes. And I've actually never thought of that. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? I mean, it's just so powerful. Yes. Yes. Wow. You know what? Do you and I have that kind of faith? I mean, oh, this young girl who simply believed God and wanted to serve him with her entire life. Um, I have a question for you. What is it that you have stopped believing God for? Think about that for a minute. What situation seems so impossible that you've just decided not to pray for it anymore? <coughs> Nothing could have seemed more impossible than Gabriel's message but Mary simply believed God, committed to his will, and the baby was already growing in her womb. All right. Notice this next uh, scripture. It's Mary's joyful song. So what happens next is Mary's heart responds. And her mouth is filled with praise for God. It truly reveals the depths of Mary's spiritual understanding. You know, it shows a great knowledge of God's word. Because every single phrase that we're going to read down here in this scripture is taken from one of the Psalms. And it is literally pouring out of her. So let's read it. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy 
is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. You know, Mary knew God's character, and the only way you can know God's character is to be saturated in God's word. Every Jewish child was taught God's word as soon as he or she was able to speak, and they memorized it. We've kind of gotten away from that today. We need to go back. Um, in verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Um, I believe she stayed until John was born. Can you imagine what it must have been like for her to come home and tell her mother that she was three months pregnant and still a virgin? And then there was Joseph to tell. Oh boy, would he believe her? I know this sounds crazy, but I have some news. You're not gonna believe it. You know, a betrothal in that day was much more binding uh, than an engagement is today. Uh, in fact, they considered them husband and wife already. The only thing they didn't live together, and they certainly didn't have sexual relations before they were married. A betrothal could only be broken by divorce. All right, let's talk about the birth of Christ. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Okay, what does the scripture tell us? Joseph, go ahead. I, I have never had an idea about how old Joseph was. You know, I can't tell you exactly his age, but he was much older than Mary. I thought he, I thought he was. Mm -hmm. but I didn't, I didn't. Pastor, do you know? No, there's, there's, there's some speculations, but there's nothing that the scripture says that really identifies him. Good question, but he was he was older. One thing is, uh, you know, what, what you said is very important about the betrothal. could only be separated by divorce. And when Joseph was considering, considering putting Mary away privately, it meant that he was not going to divorce her, but put her away secretly, which means that he would never be married again. Oh, wow. That was his consideration before he was spoken to by, by God. Well, you just think of the character that it had been, been the maturity and, and his faith that he would do that, you know, that he would make that choice instead of publicly, you know. Humiliating. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'm just going to back up a little bit. <clears throat> I was just going to say that, you know, we recognize from the scripture that, that uh, Joseph didn't believe her. You know, he was shocked because Mary had seemed to be so pure and, and faithful. So he was probably terribly hurt. This is an assumption, you know, just an opinion here. I don't know. Can you imagine how that must have affected him? He knew he couldn't marry her. The law said that she should be publicly judged. And really, the penalty was to be stoned to death, but they didn't really enforce it much. And he wouldn't do that to Mary. But we know he still cared for her, so he would arrange to sign the papers for the divorce privately, and then he went to bed that night with a very heavy heart. So let's keep going. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Ah, what a relief it must have been to know that Mary's fantastic story was really true. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I keep trying to step back into Mary's shoes. This is where I'm going. Um, so the angel of the Lord had spoken to him in a dream. Very, very powerful. All right. Now, I'm going to go on to the next verse. Um, in this verse, we see something very... Uh, uh, interesting about Joseph's character um, and you know I think this is the way he acted anytime we see him mentioned let's look at it uh, Matthew chapter 1 verses 24 through 25 uh, then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus so <laughs> He obeyed the next day. He took Mary home as his wife under his protection to wait for the birth of her child. Both of these very godly people sacrificed the right to consummate their marriage until after her child was born. Then they lived a normal married life. Mary um, was very near the end of her pregnancy when the news came to Nazareth that Caesar had decreed that everyone had to go to the town their family came from to be enrolled for tax purposes. Both Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem because both of them were descended from King David. Now, it was a journey of about 90 miles. You know, and even though, you know, we always see her on a donkey, we have no way of knowing that that was really true. 
either she had to walk or she rode a donkey. But it was at least a three to four day journey. All the ladies can appreciate that. All right, now I have a really long one. Uh, I like this one. I'm going to blaze through reading the scripture, but then I'm going to slow down because this is one of the insights I wanted to talk to you about. All right, this is uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. All right. Now, Pastor has talked about this a lot. Verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them all right now <clears throat> must start slow here uh, pastors talked about this uh, did a very wonderful job with it very clear but I want to look at this word kept and um, I gave you just a very simple definition there, mentally remember and obey. Um, but I think uh, what I want to say here is, you know, we get a lot of insight into Mary's reflective nature. You know, for Mary kept all these events that were occurring around her close, very close, and she was always internalizing them. And when I, when I say that, yes, internalizing them, but spiritually digesting them is what I'm trying to get at. We can see that she was very thoughtful, deeply reflective, and a spiritual woman. That's pretty obvious. She was going to mentally remember and obey all the encounters she had had with the angelic and the people that were in her life to preserve all of these uh, events and all of these words. Um, my intent was to kind of just go on by this because um, I had liked what Pastor had shared on it. And so I, I wasn't going to go there. So you can see that on pondered, I just kind of gave you another simple definition. It just says confer or meet with. Well, I'm all finished. 
and, and I think I'm ready, and I have to come back, and I have to look at this scripture again. And, uh, you know, he's more or less the expert on word search, you know, and all those uh, Hebrew and Greek words, but I give it my best. But I, I, I got pulled back, and Pastor has also talked about this, but um, the word ponder in, uh, in uh, Greek, which you have shared, Pastor, is, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, but it's sumbalo. And so I looked just at that word, and um, it has uh, two parts. Sum, which is S-O-O-M, sum is sun, S-U-N, sun. And then the balo, B-A-L-L-O, means to combine. So here's what happened to me. I'm trying to study this word. And, um, you know, this is Tammy talking. I'm prayerfully talking to God as I'm doing this because I sometimes feel, and I'm sure you feel this way too, I sometimes feel like a novice. You know, I'm like, okay, let's see if I can break this down and understand what's spiritually happening here. So um, I apologize because you can obviously see in your notes that you, you didn't think I was going there. But I'm going to go real slow here. Um, com uh, combine, which is the definition of balo, has four parts. I didn't know that until I looked it up. So the first part talks about conversing or talking. So that's part one. Then part two is to mentally consider something. Three would be a willingness to be involved and give assistance. And then the fourth one. I'm, I'm going to come back. We're, we're just starting here. Uh, the fourth one is to personally join and help others. I really didn't know where I was going with this at first, <clears throat> but I recognized that this was a fourfold directive that was being given to Mary. This is my interpretation. And you know that the fourfold is voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquake. So then I'm going back and I'm, I'm reading the scripture and I'm praying and I'm reflecting. And I felt like this is what I, I gleaned. So remember, it's got four parts. And the first part was conversing or talking. So Mary internally was speaking her thoughts to God. Haven't we all done that? That's voices. Then the next one, two, mentally considering something. I have written here, mentally consider the constant aid given her by the Spirit of God. Oh my. In abundance. That would be thunders. And then, uh, let's see, number three, a willingness to be involved and give assistance. So number three, it was her commitment to help lightnings to bring forth the plan of God through her physical body. And then the fourth one, again, was personally join and help others. So for Mary, she would personally join earthquake 
with the others close to her to revisit and recall the blessings of God upon her life and the supernatural gift of birthing the Son of God. Now, she would also assist others who believed in fulfilling the will of God, which we know is partnership with God. So I found that very, uh, I, I wasn't going there, but I just thought about that and I thought about it. And so that's one of the things that I gleaned from that. And I thank God for that. But I'm just going to keep going. I'm doing well. Um, now I'm trying to move us through this timeline of Mary. Obviously there are gaps here. So after 40 days, Joseph and Mary, they went to the temple to dedicate Jesus. And in the temple of God uh, were placed two very old people who had been waiting for the Savior to come. And that was Simeon and Anna. And it's interesting that God sent a man and a woman. Have you ever thought about that? To do this. And they were very old. So let's look at this. Jesus is circumcised. This is Luke chapter 2, verse, verses 21 through 24. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Okay, so they stayed in Bethlehem quite a long time, uh, probably at least a year. Uh, then one day they were uh, surprised by a caravan of men from the east, and these magi uh, told about a star that had led them to this child. And they brought expensive gifts and worshipped Jesus. But their visit had tipped off Herod, the king of the Jews, that the real king of the Jews had been born. He gave an order to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem, two years old and under. And you know, I think it's interesting that the gifts that the wise men brought were so costly. I believe, and we've heard it talked about in church, that you know it was to finance their trip and, and their sojourn while they were there in Egypt. Uh, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh were used by this very humble family who would not have had any resources if this had not occurred. So you again see that God takes care of his son not only Jesus, but us. And he sends these messengers from hundreds of miles away. That's just like God. He works those miracles. All right, let's go to the flight to Egypt. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth <coughs> to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of 
by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. All right. So finally, the day comes, and God told them to go back to Israel because Herod was dead. And they went to Nazareth, and they raised their family there. Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 40. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to, into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Mary and Joseph provided for this family a stable and loving and godly home. They taught their children the word of God. <coughs> they memorized it. And we know that from the way Jesus used the scriptures uh, when he was older. They carefully kept God's law and they observed all the special feast days. Now, this is all we read about the childhood of Jesus. Okay, so skipping ahead. Um, every year, uh, his parents went to Jerusalem uh, for the feast of the Passover according to custom. So now Jesus is 12 years old, and as a Jewish boy who was getting ready at 13 to perform the bar mitzvah, that was an extremely uh, important rite of passage for all the male children. Luke 2, uh, verses 41 through 42. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Um, okay, uh, Jesus converses with the teachers. Uh, Luke chapter 2, 43 through 48, and when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now, remember, I'm looking at Mary's perspective here. I think uh, the, the anxiety of looking, him, looking for him for three days was really expressed in her outburst. Uh, this perfect son of hers had caused her great anxiety. Uh, she, hadn't, she had forgotten something, but here's what I'm trying to say. She was upset, but she also had forgotten something very important. And Jesus is gently reminding her of it. And it, I want you to look at verses uh, 42, 49 through 52 of Luke chapter 2. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept uh, Dieterio to watch thoroughly, that's what it means, or um, 
to observe strictly. I really want to talk about observe strictly. All these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And man. Um, so we hear from Jesus. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? What did he remind them of? That Joseph was not his father, but God was. Jesus knew why he was sent to earth, but he also knew that as a 12-year-old, he was subject to his parents. Mary kept or deuterioed these words of Jesus. Now, we're familiar with the word terio, which means to preserve and keep the territory which we have been called to serve in. That's terio. It's the place where we make our personal commitment to God and his word. It is our individual responsibility and the personal space of our individual authority here on the earth. That's what our terio is. Mary was listening intently to Jesus and the words he spoke to her, but not fully understanding them. I think the point I want to make here is going back to that definition for deuterio, to observe strictly. Mary was desirous to maintain and enforce the power of Jesus' words in her life every single day. Wow. I never really, that was my, one of my other insights. It really hit me hard. All right. Notice what happens in this next passage of scripture. Um, Jesus turns water into wine, and this was Jesus' first miracle. So this is John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece okay the wine was gone and Jesus' mother said to him they have no more wine so <laughs> Jesus is like saying dear woman why does this involve me my time <laughs> has not yet come and, you know, Jesus was giving her uh, just like a gentle reminder uh, that he was really no longer under her authority. You know, he was on a different timetable. He was on God's. I know if I told my mother, woman, 
<laughs> I'd be knocked three days in the last week. <laughs> now, Mary says something next, and listen carefully to this. It is the only time Mary gives any orders to anybody. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do you realize that she's still saying that to us today? The focus is never on Mary. It's on her son, God's son, her savior, and ours that we must obey. We must obey what Jesus is going to be doing. I don't think he's going to, or she's going to give us orders, you know, like he, she told Jesus here. But I think it's important that uh, whatever God instills in that heart of ours, um, and I tend not to do that. You know, I don't, I don't, give, <coughs> I don't give people orders. But I, I think she's trying to say to us that this is the Son of God and what he says is true, is everlasting and powerful. Do you get the sense that, that Mary is overriding God at this point? Overriding God? Or, or whatever. Telling Jesus he's not, he doesn't know everything? Or? It's more, I think, in partnership that this is a miracle that's going to take place. But Jesus doesn't know that. But she's saying, do whatever he says. Yeah. He could have said, go on your way. Yeah, you know, but, but he said, my hour's not come. And she said, you're going to do this thing. It, it's interesting that uh, those weren't her servants. Right. Yeah. And so she didn't have the authority and she didn't have the power. Right. And I think there's a message in that for yeah. today. Yeah. That Mary did not have authority, nor did she have power. I just always thought that was an interesting statement for her to make. Yeah, I would, perhaps a statement of faith. Before did she get that insight, you know? Oh, do whatever he tells you? Yeah, probably from the other things he's done growing yeah. up. Yeah. But all she said is do what he says, so. You know, if he didn't say anything, they wouldn't do anything. But look how the Catholics do it today. They pray to Mary to have her tell Jesus what to do. Yep. Yes, that's true. But, uh, yeah, but demonstrated right here is that she doesn't have power. And she right, doesn't she doesn't have power or authority. Interesting. Very, very. Yeah, and, and we're, you know, it, it is hard sometimes to interpret Scripture, you know. Um, and, you know, what was their intention? <laughs> what were they thinking at the time? And also another thing, of course, is that the words that were used in Hebrew or Greek may not have been interpreted exactly correct in our text. Sure. Yes, and, and we know that yeah. to happen because Pastor true. has pointed that out numerous times. Yeah. So, and, you know, I'm not real strong in that area. Yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point.
All right. Uh, I'm going to keep going. Uh, dis- disbelief of his brothers, <laughs> Jesus' brothers. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that, my, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself <laughs> to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. You know, I wonder, because you know, I'm trying to come from Mary's perspective here. I wonder how Mary felt <coughs> to know that her own sons did not believe in uh, Jesus, who she knew to be the Son of God. And I and I wonder how much she actually told them about his unusual birth. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You know, gradually um, they were able to pressure her to get Jesus to conform to what, uh, get her to conform to, uh, you know, think like them in order to get their ideas about his ministry, uh, they thought, uh, forced upon her and, and of course, upon Jesus. Um, Because she had several sons. And at the time, they did not believe that he truly was the son of God. But, you know, her sons kind of kept working on her. And let's just keep going here. You'll see that as we get into this. Uh, Jesus ordains the 12. Mark 3, verses 13 through 21. He goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained 12, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew and Matthew, Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayeth him, and they went into an house. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to, and I want you to look at this real close, lay hold, that means they, it's kratos, and it means they were going to try to seize him. Uh, For they said, he is beside, and uh, the Greek word there is existeme, and uh, what they're, saying is they they think he's crazy he's insane all right let's do one more uh, verse here mark 3 31 through 35 there came then his brethren and his mother and standing without sent unto him calling him and the multitude sat about him and they said unto him behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee and he answered them saying who is my mother or my brethren and he looked around about on them which sat about him and he said behold my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of god the same is my brother and my sister and mother you know his family thought that jesus was out of his mind and he he needs a caretaker um 
his brothers and mother uh, didn't approve of the way he was going about his ministry and they were going to take charge and take control so they went to find him that's you know I'm trying to summarize here um, so Mary uh, must have approved of their plans the other sons her other sons and she kind of gave her authority to what their demands are now look Jesus's answer was very revealing from now on, his earthly family was no longer in authority over him. Even the mother he loved and honored could not dictate to him according to what his ministry was going to be. Jesus was subject to Mary and Joseph, you know, when he was 12, but he's 30 now. And he made it very clear that membership in his spiritual family was more important than being a member of his earthly family. Now, we know that doing the will of God is the mark of a member of Jesus' family. Um, but again, you know, sometimes we're not sure about these words. But... I think what I wanted to convey to you is you could tell that in their mind, they really, at that point in time, when that was occurring, they actually thought he was crazy. They could not grasp what was going on. They didn't get it, okay? Um, and, and by the way, there wasn't anybody who thought he was going about his Messiah role correctly. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody did. His 12 disciples did. Really a good point. You know, I've kind of narrowed it here because I'm, I'm trying to stay with Mary and family. But yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Very good point. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to close here. Let me do this last. Oh, there's two. John 19, 25 through 27. Now, you know, we're moving along this timeline really fast here. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. So here at the cross is Mary and the other women who really cared about Jesus. And they stayed by the cross so that Jesus could see them and know that they really loved him. You know, um, this also uh, kind of indicates to me that, uh, you know, Mary had great courage. Who knew what was going to happen? Nobody. But she was there with the other women. And she was showing her love as a mother to Jesus there on the cross. You know, she didn't have any special revelation about the way God would save the world. She didn't know that. She had no idea. She only knew that she had been told that a sword would pierce her heart. And here it was coming to pass. Now, 
It was while she stood near the cross with the other women and John, you know, Jesus' friend, that her son, Jesus, discharged his last duty to her. You know, it was the responsibility of the eldest son to care for his parents at that time period. And now Jesus has committed her into the hands of John. All right, our last scripture, Acts 1, verses 13 uh, through 14. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So Mary is in a prayer meeting with the other women and with Jesus' brothers, who now believe in him. She was no doubt there when the Holy Spirit came to indwell in all the believers. I, 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 we don't know that, but I, I, I feel like she was. Um, she was still a woman of faith and humility, taking her place with all the others who really trusted in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. You know, she had been the most privileged and blessed of women. She had known the presence of God all through the years. She knew what it was like to raise a large family, to economize on a tight budget. You know, she experienced slurs on her reputation. She knew unbelief in her own family because, you know, we know from Scripture that her other sons rejected her firstborn um, until the resurrection. But now Jesus' earthly life is over. And notice that she has asked for no special place of honor. Do you see that in the Bible? I don't. She was simply another worshiper of the Lord. So this is the very last time she is mentioned in the Bible. She was a woman of great faith, a great, had a great knowledge of God's word, and really she was in total submission to God, God's will and would do whatever he wanted. Whatever it cost her, she would do it. You know what? She also knew what it was like to see her precious son assert his independence from her and become a man. And if you've been a mother and you've had sons, you know what that feels like. I do too. You know, uh, she saw his uh, spiritual relationships take precedence over his human family. But Mary was able to let him go. She experienced the agony of his death and the rapture of his resurrection. Oh. Mm. And she was only 43. I think she was closer, uh, I'm not sure, I think she was closer to 50 
Um, I was just thinking 14 and 33. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. Somewhere in that range. Okay, very good. Um, you know, she became a faithful follower, and, you know, she must have been a great encouragement to the early church. And I close with this last statement. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was truly a very amazing woman. And that concludes my lesson. I apologize for running over, but we did it. Uh, any, I appreciate the